Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, I promised that I would provide an update after some of the announcements that came out at D23. And honestly, it took a little time to absorb all of the announcements that came out. And to truly understand the breadth and scope and depth of all these different things that were happening. Plus, there were some announcements that were made outside of D23 that also have an impact. And I think they're worth presenting as well. So here's sort of the recap of everything that's happened in the last few weeks. And it is so much, it's freaking unbelievable. Now, some of the announcements I'm going to talk about here were from D23. Some were previously announced. Some were renounced more recently, and some are based on a little bit of speculation that I've heard, but I'll call those out when that's the case if it's not an official announcement. So first off, let's talk about Disney World, and we're going to step outside the parks and talk about Disney Springs. Now, it continues its evolution from a little sleepy village to a destination for shopping, dining, and a nightlife to what it is today, which is really kind of a high-end outlet shopping and some very nice and fairly expensive restaurants. Now, Disney really thought of this concept to compete with Universal City Walk and other local destinations like that. So you have sort of a shopping and entertainment district that people might want to visit. Now remember that Disney's goal is to keep you on their property and to provide for all your wants so they can get the net benefit of any money you might want to spend. So why leave Disney property if you don't have to? So this is really an effort aimed at trying to do that. So we'll start off with uh, Disney Quest. That was closed sometime in July and will be demolished in the not-too-distant future. La Nuba, the Cirque du Soleil show, is still slated for closure at the end of this year, but there's been no formal announcement so far, and there are still some negotiations as we hear it. As you might guess, this all comes down to money. Both sides are trying to take in as much as possible and making a new deal. And unfortunately, the reality for both is that attendance has fallen off, according to most reports. And in the 19-year run, it's been pretty much the same show all the way around. Now, Disney has asked that another show replace it, but Cirque du Soleil, being a private company, they have a different opinion and want to keep the same show. So there's a little bit of back and forth that happens there. And of course, if they do decide to put a new show in, it takes time and energy to put the show together, so we'll have to wait and see what happens and what they do. Disney announced recently that they're introducing minivans, and that's mini as in Minnie Mouse, and they're decorated accordingly with pink, black, and white polka dots on the outside, so it looks like Minnie Mouse's dress. It helps guests to get on short hops between various places within Walt Disney World's property. So rather than waiting for a bus, you can call for the minivan, and they'll arrive and they'll take up to, I think it's eight guests, if I'm not mistaken, inside the vehicle, and take you to where you want to go, so you don't have to wait for the bus and you don't need your own transportation. Clever idea. I believe the starting point is $20 per trip, regardless of where you want to go, however many people you can fit in there. So it does have some value, especially if you're trying to get to somewhere, maybe for a dining reservation and so forth, and you want to get there quickly and efficiently. You can call in advance. There's an app for it, and they're rolling the whole thing out in a broader sense over the next few months, but certainly you can use it today. 
but I think they're still trying to tweak the system to make sure that it's ready for everyone and you can get there. Very clever. It's a point-to-point -point transportation system. And my understanding is that it's based on Lyft. And uh, I know they talked to Uber and Lyft, and I believe they decided on using the Lyft service as the basis for it, though it's Disney's own transportation service. So it's sort of a, a subset of the, uh, of the Lyft service, as I understand it. Also continuing outside the park, Disney has formally announced that they're building the Skyliner service between the studios, Epcot, the Caribbean Beach Resort, and the Pop Century and Art of Animations. So this is the new gondola system that will take guests between various destinations. As we know, the monorail is a, an expensive proposition and it takes a lot of maintenance, so Disney has decided to go with the gondola system instead to move guests between these areas. Now these are all in one area, but it makes it a little bit easier, potentially, to get between some of these places. So if you wanted to get from, say, the Pop Century to the Magic Kingdom, in theory you could take the gondola system from the Pop Century to Epcot, then walk through Epcot and take the monorail between Epcot and the Magic Kingdom. So there are multiple ways you can get around. Or, of course, you could just take the bus right from Pop Century. But I think what Disney is trying to do from this and the other announcement about the minivans is to help alleviate some of the bus service. The buses are expensive to maintain. They aren't as efficient as some of the other modes of transportation that you have out there. Disney buys up old fleets of buses from municipal services, so they take a lot of maintenance to keep them running. A lot of things like that that go into the factoring of this, it's a much less expensive proposition to start building mass transportation between fixed points. So there are ways to get people around. I think the bus service will continue to exist, but I think they'll reduce the size of it and the scale of it in favor of other ways to get people between destinations. Now the Skyliner itself will be gondola-based uh, gondola cars. It looks like you know, the cars will accommodate you know, somewhere around 20 people each, and they'll go between these destinations. They will be handicapped accessible, so you can bring your scooter, your ECV, your wheelchair, your stroller on board and actually be able to get from point A to point B. As I understand it, they won't stop, but they'll be coming through slowly when they come through the station, so you can basically just roll onto it and then keep going. The other thing I hear is there's no plan to have them air-conditioned, but they'll have a ventilation system that'll keep the air moving through them, so it would be relatively cool inside. We'll see how that works out. They may change their minds along the way. You never really know. But it's an interesting idea, and it will allow for people to get easily from point A to point B. I want to see how this looks. I want to see how it comes together. I mean, if Disney comes up with something innovative and creative, well, then it might actually work out. I mean, I'm sorry to say that they aren't going to be doing a monorail, because I wanted to see them expand the monorail. But this is a reasonable alternative, I think, to what they want to do. And by the way, speaking of the Caribbean Beach Resort, there's more of a DVC coming. Uh, the Riviera Resort is going to be the newest DVC property that's going to be at the Caribbean Beach. This is the first time Disney has put in a DVC at a moderate resort. So we'll see how this works out. It's not as high-end and luxury as some of the other ones that they built, but it certainly will be attractive to some people. And uh, I think it's an interesting idea. We'll see how it kind of works out. I think they're kind of test marketing it to see if it's going to work because they may add it to other destinations as well, some of the other hotels that they currently have on property. And uh, I, I just find the whole idea kind of interesting. I think Disney has kind of overplayed its hand on DVC, but I get it and I understand what they're trying to do for it. Going back to my point earlier about it's all about the money and the bottom line, this is certainly a way to bring in more money and make sure that more guests come to Disney property if you give them a moderate alternative to using points and buying into the system, there's more money flowing in. And that means more people in the parks potentially too, but you're putting a price point out there that more people could potentially afford. So let's head over to the studios next and talk about what's going on over there. 
there's going to be a Mickey and Minnie runaway coaster that's going to replace the Great Movie Ride. Now, first off, I'm kind of sad about the Great Movie Ride. I think it's a tremendous thing that they have there in the, in the Chinese theater, and it's a really interesting experience that you have to kind of go back in the movies. But unfortunately, it's been you know nearly 30 years since the studios opened, and while they've updated the ride in general, specifically the ride itself is the same, and they're talking about the Wizard of Oz and Aliens and the John Wayne Westerns and uh, the uh, gangster movies. And that's great because they, they have these, uh, these historical points, but unfortunately, it kind of, lo- it kind of loses its uh, momentum over time. And, and at some point, Disney signed a deal with Turner Classic Movies to do sort of a new overlay. And it kind of worked both ways that Disney has some of their classic movies being shown on Turner Classic Movies. And uh, Robert Osborne came in and redid the introduction section and talked about being at the movies. And Robert Osborne being a longtime host at Turner Classic Movies, it made a lot of sense. It was a nice partnership. But unfortunately, Osborne passed away, and that changed the nature of the relationship. Not that it's still not relevant, and not that he couldn't, it wasn't still a good show, but I think the whole nature of it changed. And I think they want to completely shift their focus from what it originally was as being a real working movie studio to being an immersive movie-themed collection of areas that kind of capture the whole imagination piece that way. So you'd walk into the park and you'd be in the old time Hollywood as you walk down. Then you'd walk up to the Mickey and Minnie coaster. Now, whether they keep the Chinese theater facade or whether they change that, I think it's still up for debate as far as I'm concerned. I haven't seen anything formally announced about that. But it changes sort of the nature of what you have there. And then you kind of go off to your left and you head to Star Wars land and you go off to your right and you head to Pixar land. So it kind of changes the nature of what the movie studio was to what it is today so that it makes more sense in a general sense and that the Mickey coaster could tie those two themes together by being sort of the history of Mickey Mouse sort of as you look down the history of Hollywood, right? You walk down to the history of Hollywood, you see the Mickey Mouse thing, then you could kind of branch out into different themes from there. So conceptually, I get it. Now, what I'm curious about is what this this coaster will actually look like. Will it be a motion simulator? Will it be an actual roller coaster? Are they going to demolish the building where the Great Movie Ride is and put this in its place? Uh, I'm not sure what exactly it's going to be, and I'm not sure which Mickey Mouse version they're going to use. I've heard that it's going to be this this sort of neoclassical version of this uh, animated Mickey that they're using in a lot of uh, things that they're doing now. If you go over to uh, Epcot and you go into the Imagination Pavilion, you'll see some uh, Mickey cartoons that are newer Mickey cartoons that are very different and kind of thematically give you, I think, what you're going to see at the Great Movie Ride or what was the Great Movie Ride. And I think uh, you see some of these same cartoons that appear like on uh, the Disney Channel sometimes, uh, the Mickey Mouse shorts. They're not the classic Mickey Mouse cartoons. They're very different than that. And honestly, as a purist, I don't like them that much. I think they're cute. But I just don't like them, and I don't like that version of Mickey. But I guess, you know, it kind of works, and if it works for Disney, then great. And if and I'm sure they will do it right. Again, back to Disney doing things better than anybody else, I think they can do it right and make it really cool. So we'll see what it looks like when it's done. Also with the studios, there's going to be a Star Wars-themed hotel. Now, this will offer guests an immersive visit that further enhances what they experience in the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. This Star Wars-inspired resort will debut as part of the new Disney 360 vacation concept, which will introduce living adventure experiences, allowing guests to be active participants in an entirely new form of Disney storytelling. Okay, we have to break that one down for a minute. There's, There's a lot to unpack there. They talk about this new Disney 360 vacation. 
that's a new concept we haven't even heard about. And uh, Disney's kind of throwing it out there. It's just, you know, a little softball that they throw out there and let you think about it. New immersive vacation experiences that they're planning. So Disney already does some of these uh, adventure type things, adventures by Disney. They do the cruise lines, they have the theme parks, and now they're trying to expand it further to more immersive experiences. So your entire stay would be related to some thematic thing. Ah, okay. So they already started doing this. If you think about some of the rooms that they put together at some of the resorts, you know, the pirate theme rooms, the princess rooms, cars rooms, the, you know, the, the other rooms that they put together, you're already starting to see that building. They're going to take that further by creating an immersive Star Wars themed hotel. And it's going to be interesting, I think. And I like the concept. I just don't know how it's going to play out, what the price point is going to be, how it's going to work out, all of those things. And, you know, I guess the idea is you would enter the park directly from that hotel to the Star Wars land. So the hotel is going to go on the backside of the studios in an area that's currently cast member parking and some wetlands. So basically you would be able to exit from the resort directly into Star Wars land at the uh, studios. So conceptually, you have that immersive experience where you just walk back and forth between the two and you're always in the land. Now you can leave it, of course, and go do other things, but you don't have to. Living Adventures is another thing that Disney has never talked about before. Living Adventures would connotate that you're actually living part of the story, right? And you, if you think about some of the things that they do today, I think you do this on the cruise line, but I'll use the example of over at Mission Space. You are a crew member on in the Mission Space exhibit, right? You're, you're there and you're doing something that contributes to the overall success of your mission. So here you're talking about you would take on a role, a character, you would be something, and then you would actually live out the experience. I have heard that one of the things they want to do is give everyone a task, give everyone a role, and have everyone who wants to participate and is a guest at the resort be a part of that and be able to come in and uh, take advantage of it and play that role as they're going through the park. So not only would you see characters in the park and uh, Disney cast members playing those parts, you might see guests interacting and being part of it as well. Conceptually, I like the idea. I want to see how it plays out and what they do with it, but I give them a lot of credit for coming up with this idea so that you become immersed in it. And as a result, other people get immersed in the experience as well. So, so let me sum up. If I'm staying at the Star Wars theme hotel, maybe they say I'm a rebel spy, right? And that's my role. And as a rebel spy, I have, I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z. So I head out through the, the resort and then I head out into the theme park and I do different things. And maybe I interact with guests to try and make that happen. Maybe I'm good at it. Maybe I'm not. But now the guest has an experience with me. I have an experience with other cast members and other people who are there. And we have this immersive type of thing. And it's almost like I'm living this, the movie. So conceptually, I love it. I, I like the idea. Um, so I, I, I want to see what they do with it and where it comes out when it comes back to. Now, I did say also that it's called Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. They, they did give it a title. It's going to actually be called Galaxy's Edge. And each one of the theme parks that's going to have a Star Wars themed land is going to have a, a variation on the world that you're visiting. Each of them will feature an immersive world that's based on a planet in the Star Wars universe. It'll feature full-size replicas of props and a couple of as yet unannounced uh, rides and attractions. I think we generally know what some of them are going to be, but I don't think we specifically know what they're going to be. So, of course, Star Tours will figure in because that's one of the attractions they already have. Now, if we think about it, in D23, they demoed a couple of interesting things. They had a hollow chess and an augmented reality lightsaber duel. 
that they showed off. Now, either one or both of those could be the basis for something that they do in the Star Wars themed land as part of something that they put together. So I find that kind of interesting and intriguing because, you know, you think about the technology that they're evolving. So you could be immersed in this and you could wind up having a, uh, a duel with lightsabers, essentially, um, though it may be some sort of virtual reality kind of thing. I want to see what they do with it. I mean, I like the concept. We'll see how they actually pull it off. Now, as we look over to the other side of the park where Pixar Place is going to be, the uh, Slinky Coaster is done. And uh, it's been completed. They put the last bolts in, so it's ready to go. They'll probably start ride testing it in the next few weeks. The entirety of the Pixar Place and the Toy Story Land is uh, going to be open for summer of 2018. So they're pretty well underway. My guess is, if I were going to bet on this, it's going to be that they'll start doing some previews in late spring. And they'll start uh, getting it ready so they can soft open sometime. They'll, they'll probably say summer starts Memorial Day. So they'll try to get it uh, open and ready before that. So it'll be interesting. I want to see them pull it together and, and get that all up and running. Uh, I think the concept is good. We'll see how it all plays out. You know, because I, I looked at the attractions and what they're doing there, and I'm like, yeah, okay, good, maybe not great, but maybe they pull it together really well. Let's see. And the other thing we hear is that potentially Walt Disney One Man's Dream, which is now out of place between where you have the Little Mermaid show and where you have the uh, Toy Story Midway Mania, may be closing at some point in the not-too-distant future. Now, Disney has said, don't worry, we're going to keep One Man's Dream or some variation on it somewhere in our parks. They just haven't announced where to this point. So we'll keep an eye on that because I think that's one of those critical pieces that you need to maintain. It's, you know, it's the story of Walt Disney. We used to have the uh, Walt Disney story in the Magic Kingdom. Then that closed and uh, they opened up a couple of different pop-up type things in different places and then it was closed for a long time and then they opened One Man's Dream over in the studios about 15 years later. So we'll see if they kind of keep that together and keep the keep it going. I think it's important to have that connection to history. So I certainly hope they do something like it somewhere and at least tell the Walt Disney story again. I think it's important to understand who the man is behind the mouse. Oh, and by the way, on the studios, there is no word on what the new name is going to be yet, but you have to imagine... Disney's Hollywood Studios probably won't capture it, so they're probably going to come up with a new name. Now we'll turn some attention to Epcot. Now Epcot, I want to do a lot more about Epcot. I want to do a whole other podcast about Epcot because Epcot, it was announced, will have an entirely re-theming happening. They'll be redoing Epcot in some way to change what it is. As we know, Guardians of the Galaxy will be replacing Ellen's Energy Adventure. Ellen's Energy Adventure closed on uh, August 13th. And the new ride will open sometime in the, in the future, but it's going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy themed ride instead of having Ellen's Energy Adventure. Okay, you know, I, the whole, here we go back to the point of Disney is changing what Epcot is. No more Universe of Energy. Now it's going to be something else. There's going to be, you know, this thematic thing where we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Mission Space closed for a short time and reopened with uh, two parts to the attraction. You have the orange side and the green side now. And the orange side is going to be the, the full-on version of the ride where people go, where guests go, and they, they take the mission to Mars. The green side is a tamer version, better for younger kids and people like me who have weak stomachs and don't like roller coaster type things. So intriguing prospect there. One of the things they had to do to reopen it was to uh, change the film at the beginning. So they uh, actually did away with um, Gary Sinise as, the, uh, as your host, and now it's uh, Gina Torres doing it. And I find it funny and amusing in a way 
that the internet kind of lit up at the, you know, the thought of Gary Sinise is leaving. Oh my goodness. And we got this, you know, we're doing this politically correct thing at Disney and, you know, I got this woman and blah, 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 whatever. I look at it like things evolve. Look, I don't like Walt Disney one man's dream closing. And that's the way it is. Disney makes a decision to do something and we just go with it. We say, thank you, sir. May I have another? And we move on. That's the way Disney is. So, you know, I, the people belly aching about it, I'm like, eh, whatever. You know, Disney's going to do what they're going to do anyway. You can try and influence. You can tell them you don't like it and let it move from there. Uh, but there's nothing much you can do otherwise. People have tried many times to save old attractions and change things. And Disney says, yeah, that's nice. And speaking of Mission Space, right next to it, they're going to open a space-themed restaurant. And it's supposed to be like you're up in orbit looking down on the uh, planet. And uh, you'll be up there and uh, doing some interesting things. And it's supposed to be themed back to something related to Mission Space in some way. As though you're on your way to a you know, faraway mission. Now, the only thing I hope is that they don't serve dehydrated food there. I mean, you know, might as well serve good food, right? Ha ha. The uh, location where this is probably going to go will probably replace where the Wonders of Life Pavilion is currently. And that Wonders of Life Pavilion is the one that's used seasonally for the, like the Epcot Food and Wine Festival and things like that, but otherwise is not used as a pavilion anymore. So the, the working hypothesis is they're going to tear down that pavilion and put up this space-themed restaurant and probably another building with some other things in it that they can use as space when they need to have something like uh, a, host, a host place for the Food and Wine Festival and things like that. Also coming to Epcot, over in the France Pavilion, it's going to get an attraction. It's going to be a Ratatouille-themed attraction, mirrored after the one that they have in France. You'll follow the little guy, the rat, all the way through his adventures. So basically, they're going to clone the, the existing attraction and make it over in the, uh, in the France Pavilion. I think that's a great idea. I think that should be really cute and fun, and I think it'll be really nice. Again, back to this changes the nature of what we have there. These become more attraction-oriented things and less about the countries that they are. But again, that's for another podcast. We'll get into that later. There's a new 360 film that's coming to the China Pavilion to reflect a more modern China. So uh, I look forward to that because I, I love the 360 films. I've talked about this in the past. I, I like the concept. I like the fact that Disney is doing this. And yeah, it's actually time for a new film there. They had the original film they created in 1982. They updated it again about 15 years ago uh, with more or less the same scenes, a few new things added, but uh, more or less the same things, just with some different edits, different voiceover, and a slightely different tone to it. And now they actually want to do, redo the entire film and make it more interesting. So that'll be good. Uh, rumor has it that uh, there's going to be more changes coming to the Imagination Pavilion and maybe including more of Figment. So I look forward to seeing if there's any announcements about that. To this point, that one is just rumor. It's speculation. We don't know anything about it, but it certainly looks like that's a strong possibility given some of the hints we were given. We haven't heard any formal announcements about any new pavilions coming to the World Showcase, but we've heard hinted that Brazil is very interested in creating a pavilion at the World Showcase and has made overtures and has talked to Disney about uh, actually creating a pavilion there. So we'll wait and see. As we know in the past, there's been many times when you know countries have said, yeah, 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 we're going to build there, and then don't. So we'll see if they actually do, but I like the idea of actually building more countries. We'll see what happens. And most importantly, during D23, they gave us sort of this vague, very vague uh, sort of view of what the retheming of Epcot will look like. And to this point, we really don't know much. We're going to have to really study it and see what it means. But as I said, we'll come back to this in a future podcast and we'll talk about the whole retheming and what it actually is going to look like. 
and we'll see what they come up with. But I think it's safe to say that Epcot is no longer what it was, this uh, World Showcase and uh, Future World. It's going to be something different. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot more happening there. They, they talk about the potential to change what Innoventions is, those two areas off to the side just before you get to the Spaceship Earth, about changing those completely and not leaving them the way they are. So it would be an entirely different sort of thing you might do. They may demolish those buildings and come up with something else. They may conceptually change them. They may just make them all character meet and greets like half of them are already. But I think there are things that are going to change. So the flow will change. Everything will change about when you come in there. I've heard speculation and talk about them removing the Leave a Legacy plaques that are out in front of Spaceship Earth. We'll see if they do. You know, I think there's some things coming that at this point are mostly speculation, but it'll be interesting to see what they choose to do. Turning to the Magic Kingdom... One of the things they want to do is build a Tron light cycle power run. And uh, this has been one that's been talked about for a while. It's, uh, it, they have something similar at Shanghai Disneyland, and it's been a fan favorite. So Disney decided that they'd like to put something very similar to it at the Magic Kingdom. At first, they were talking about having it in Tomorrowland. And everyone assumed that they were going to take out the Speedway and uh, replace it with that. But Disney came back and told us, no, they don't plan to take out the Speedway. They plan on using some land that's kind of behind the Speedway and next to Space Mountain to use for that, the Tron-themed roller coaster. It's like a little mini convention center to the side, so that will be taken out. Uh, and they would actually use a little bit of land that's back behind there. They have a little bit more land that's not in use today uh, that would go out a little bit past where the train tracks are. So it would go on the other side of the train tracks. So... It'll be interesting. I think the uh, concept is good. Uh, we'll see what it comes out to be and if they make the exact same attraction that's uh, in the Tron coaster in uh, Shanghai or if they make something that's a little bit different. But conceptually, taking a, a property like Tron and trying to use it in some way, I think it's pretty good. You know, the original Tron movie was very clever and groundbreaking when they first made it. The second one was kind of, eh, it was clever, kind of filled in a couple of blanks, but I didn't think it really captured things the right way. So... You know, I like, but I like the concept of what they're doing because the light cycles were one of the iconic and memorable things about the Tron movie. Now, this one won't open until uh, Disney's 50th anniversary in 2021, so you have to wait a little bit to get there. The other thing they're doing is they're going to build a clone of the Willis Theater. The Willis Theater is a famous theater. It's an iconic landmark in Kansas City that uh, Walt Disney had visited in the 1920s. They thought it would be a really good thing to add to Main Street USA. What they say about it is it's going to be a venue for world-class entertainment. So two questions that I have here. One, where will it be located? And two, what does that mean exactly? So let's, let's take the first one first. Where will it be located? From what I gather from the drawings and the maps and so forth, they're going to actually put it behind Main Street. At first, it looked like they were going to replace one of the buildings on Main Street, but no, it looks like they're actually going to put it behind Main Street. So when you walk into the park, you have the uh, flagpole in the center of the park, and Main Street goes straight up. And over to your left, you have uh, guest relations, and over to your right, you have the uh, Mickey and Minnie meet and greet. But if you look to the right, part of Main Street goes down uh, to the right around the hub. It goes around to the right, and you have like a few different shops that go toward the end where there's a fence. There's like a gate there. And the original intent of Disneyland was to actually have a street that went off of Main Street, that went somewhere. So if you think about it, you go up Main Street and you, you're walking up and to your left, the Emporium goes all the way down the street. But on your right, Center Street goes up that way. So you have an, another entry point to your right where you could just open that street up, put something at the end of that street. And if you were coming from 
the end of Main Street where the flagpole is. You would just go down to your right and go uh, go where the fe- the current gate is. And uh, you would walk up another street that would be up to the left and would kind of go behind Main Street. And those two would meet at the iconic Willis Theater. So that would be the location for it. And if you know the the topography and the geography of where the Magic Kingdom is, that space right behind there where that is, is where the Galaxy Theater used to be in Tomorrowland. So if you think about the, the spacing of everything, Tomorrowland is actually right behind Main Street. And that Galaxy Theater was right there. There's a parking lot that's right behind Main Street. And the Galaxy Theater is in the back part of that parking lot. So by putting something there, you're essentially changing the entrance to it to be toward Main Street rather than be being toward Tomorrowland. And you would actually have uh, another thing that you could have there. So essentially what they're saying is we're creating another uh, place to have people come and, you know, have another uh, congregation point where people can come in and do things. And it's different than the, uh, the space we already have. It's using the same physical space that Tomorrowland Terrace used, but using it completely differently. Now, as far as what they mean by world-class entertainment, I think where they're going with this is a plan to have more uh, experiences and things that are happening. So if you're going to retheme Epcot, you're going to change the way it works, and you have things like the candlelight processional that people love, and that location for it you have is the America Gardens Theater right there in Epcot. That's a good location, but it has a limited number of guests that can go in there. And if you're going to retheme Epcot anyway, you probably don't want to have that. So you're probably better off having that in another location, like, say, the Magic Kingdom, where you can have people come in, they're in an air-conditioned theater, and they can see the same kind of show, but the acoustics might be better, it might be a better show, and you could probably seat more people. So in a way, that's what it becomes, is a different location for shows like that. Then you could also bring in top acts and other entertainment. So if you're doing these, these things that you want to have as ticket, you know, rather than having things where people go into the park and see something, if you want to have a hard ticket event where people go in and they see something additional, you could have it in there. You could host large parties. You could do other things in there. You could have receptions for DVC members or um, annual pass holders or whatever and have people come in and uh, take part in something and have you know your, your big dessert parties and other things in there at different times. So you could really use that space. If you create it correctly, you could really use that space to make something interesting. You could have shows and performances there too. So I like the concept and I think it fits in with the original theme and thoughts about what they were going to do with um, Disneyland when Walt first envisioned it of having another street off to the side. So it works out okay. And you're not really taking away any of the sight lines or views. You're just creating another place where people can go. Looking at Animal Kingdom, now surprisingly, there are no announcements for Animal Kingdom. After all, they just opened Pandora, so there's really no reason to do anything at Animal Kingdom for now. Though I imagine it'll come back on the cycle in a couple of years. They'll come up with something else they want to do there. As we turn outside of Florida, there were some big announcements there too. Disneyland will be getting more Pixar-themed areas, so you'll see those coming up. They're going to drop in some more Pixar themes and uh, put some more things in there to make it more interesting. There'll be a Marvel land, so based on Marvel characters, over at DCA. So they're going to close up some things, make some more uh, Marvel-themed characters and and, uh, meet and greets and some other potentially uh, Marvel-themed attractions over in DCA. Um, Of course, there'll be a different themed Star Wars Galaxy's Edge uh, area at Disneyland. There are new fireworks and some changes to the Paint the Night uh, show that's going on. They weren't specific about what those changes will be, but they're coming soon, so stay tuned for that. 
the uh, Walt Disney World Railroad reopened at uh, Disneyland, and uh, they did a nice job of theming it up and putting everything kind of back together. They had to move it a little bit to build the Star Wars-themed land, so they uh, they changed the shape of the track, the layout, just a little bit. But they did a nice job of kind of re-theming, putting it back in and making it look really good. They put an extra trestle bridge. They put some other uh, features around it, so it looks really good. And you, unless you knew, you probably wouldn't know. It's a nice way to kind of pay tribute back to Walt and his love of trains. Outside the United States, Disneyland Paris will be getting a new Marvel-themed land as well. They got, they've got some things that are coming as far as Marvel uh, entertainment goes. There are going to be three new ships added to the Disney Cruise Line to add more exciting destinations. And back to my 360 Disney vacation type thing that they're going to do. I think this fits in with more cruise ships. You can have more immersive experiences, have more destinations, more ports that you leave from. Because the way it works now... There's only a finite number of ships, and they leave so many weeks out of the year from Port Canaveral. Then a few weeks out of the year, they go to other ports around the country so people can take advantage of it. But I think this allows them a little more flexibility in terms of having ships that are in different locations that they can continue to rotate around so they can take advantage of having people take these immersive immersive experiences and then coming back and enjoying the theme parks after. Also, beyond that, Disney had a slate of movie announcements. Uh, So... You can assume that the Disney production companies will be very, very busy over the next few years uh, as they put together all of these movies. From names that you'd recognize to names that you've never heard of, there's a ton of different movies that are coming out. Some animated, some Pixar, some live action. And, uh, you know, so far Disney has done really well in the movie space. And now that they own Marvel and they own a lot of the different properties that they have, I think it'll be really interesting to see how they all play out. They're also playing nice with James Cameron and trying to move around their dates to meet James Cameron's timelines so that he can put his new Avatar movies out sometime in the next you know, five years or so. I don't know exactly when the next one is coming out. It's been pushed back again, but he plans on putting, I don't know, five of them out or something like that. And meanwhile, Disney has been very busy with the Star Wars universe because they've got episodes uh, eight coming out this year. Episode nine is slated for 2019, I believe. Uh, there's a, you know, there's the standalone adventures kind of like Rogue One was this year. They'll do some other ones like that where they pick different characters and go after it and tell different stories. Uh, you know, and then there's the animated features. You've got uh, Frozen 2. You've got uh, a number of Pixar movies. There's a lot of stuff coming out that they're working on. And there was another interesting announcement that came out very recently, and that was about Disney deciding that they were going to terminate their relationship with Netflix. They're going to make all of their content available on their own proprietary streaming service. Now, Disney has a lot of movies that they have available and a lot of shows and a lot of things that they can have available. So creating their own streaming service makes a lot of sense. Now, how it gets distributed, what the price point will be, how that's going to work out will be interesting to see how it kind of plays out. But I like the concept they want to move on and create their own content. You know, they've certainly got enough, and plus they can certainly partner with other companies that are smaller companies to bring them in and, do, and have more things that they stream and offer through there. So I want to see what they do, but you know, I think it's all okay. I think we're moving to a more stream-based service rather than uh, these different models of over-the-air TV and uh, things that we have today. I think you're going to see more streaming. So you'll see the, these being offered through apps, through uh, devices, through um, some of the TV services, the large providers will probably start offering it. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Also, they announced that ESPN will be changing as well. And the ESPN change, well, there's a lot behind this. Okay, let me give you the 30-second breakdown. ESPN 
had a consumer model when they first came out where they went to the cable companies and they asked for approximately $4 per subscriber to be paid to them. Great model for them. And because they were the first sports programming network, pretty much all the providers said, hey, that's a great idea. And so when you paid your $20 a month for programming, $4 of it went to ESPN. The other 16 was distributed among however many channels you had. As the channel lineup grew, the cost grew. But ESPN's pricing structure stayed the same, and uh, the other channels were charging less. So over time, when a la carte became a possibility and people started cutting their cords and getting away from uh, having cable companies, ESPN's profits started to plummet as well because there were fewer subscribers who were actually paying the $4 a month. So ESPN has been struggling for a while. They've had to have some layoffs, some cutbacks. They're trying to find them, find their new way again. I think they're still the leader in sports, but if you watch the ESPN networks, you see that they're less sports-oriented and more entertainment-oriented. It's not about scores anymore because you can get the scores readily online. Now it's about the entertainment and telling the story of what's happening. So they're trying to figure out what they want to be, and in the meantime, they're going, you know what, we should provide new streaming avenues. So you would do an a la carte streaming type service. If you go today and you go to your uh, your device and you download the ESPN app, you can watch anything that ESPN shows on your cable provider. So you log in through your cable provider and you can watch anything that, that you could see on your cable TV. What they want to do is allow you to watch anything you want for a set subscription price directly paid to them. Sort of the same thing that Disney is doing with uh, this new uh, streaming service that they want to offer. So you would pay directly to them a monthly subscription fee of $2, $5, whatever it is, and then you could watch as much as you want, consume all you want through their app. And you could also still get it through your cable, and you can get it through other devices and yada, yada, yada. But conceptually, they're trying to move the needle and make it more profitable for themselves and make it more interesting and more compelling so that you could watch more things. People are using their devices more and cutting the cable and not watching as much as they have. If you offer the app through Slingbox or through, um, through uh, Amazon or whatever, then people might subscribe to it and it's an easy way to kind of get the model going and you don't need to have those $4 subscribers anymore. So interesting and I like the concept and I think ESPN will have some success with this and I think the other companies like ESPN of that scale will probably follow suit and do something similar. So anyway, kind of summing up on the day, there was a lot of announcements, a lot of things that happened, uh, a lot of things going on at Disney and through the Disney company. It's a, this is a long-winded way of saying, whew, there's a lot going on. And now as I look at it, what are the things that are the most interesting to me? So the three things that captured my attention. The Star Wars land sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. Mission Space Green, look, I'm not a roller coaster guy. I'm willing to wait it out and see what Mission Space Green actually looks like. Is it something I can handle? Is it something I cannot handle? The one thing that irritates me is when Disney creates all these roller coasters. I can't do roller coasters. So I miss out on some of the experiences. I love some of the traditional and classic Disney attractions. And now they're moving away from that and trying to make them more engaging. And I get that because that's what your consumers want, but I can't do them. So I miss out on some of that stuff. So I want to see if they continue to produce some things like Mission Space Green that's supposed to be a tamer version of the ride that would work for me. And also Ratatouille. I think Ratatouille is uh, one of those really kind of interesting ideas. Uh, I've seen the video of the uh, ride that they have uh, that currently exists. So I really want to see it up close and personal. I want to check it out. It sounds like it's going to be fun. And, uh, you know, another fun little ride that's not roller coaster based. Now, what are my least favorites? I would say the Tron roller coaster is right at the top of my list. It's a roller coaster. 
uh, Tron was kind of a meh for me. I don't like roller coasters. I'm going to have issues with this. I don't know that I really like it. I don't know that I'd really try it out. But we'll see. I'll at least see what it looks like. And, you know, we'll, I'll make a decision whether I can ride it or not. The Mickey and Minnie themed roller coaster. I'm going to really miss the great movie ride. Yeah, I know it's a slow moving ride through the movies. But, you know what? It was always fun. And I always enjoyed that. And I'll really miss it. I think it's it's too bad that it's going away. Uh, you know, and I the I don't like these new Mickey Mouse cartoons. I don't like roller coasters, so the the twain don't meet for me, and I'm kind of ambivalent about this announcement. And then finally, Pixar Land on the whole. Okay, so people denigrate what it looks like over in Dino Land and uh, into Chester and Hester's area over in Dino Land. And they say it looks carnival-like, and I think Disney themed it appropriately for what it's supposed to be, a roadside attraction somewhere in like the Southwest. So I think it works. But Pixar Land looks kind of similar to that to me. Yes, okay, we're putting in one roller coaster and a teacups-like ride, and there you go, and we're just going to call it Pixar Land. Uh, We'll see. We'll see what they come up with, if it's better than that. But I just have this feeling it doesn't really excite me. It doesn't really capture my attention that way. And again, back to roller coasters. Probably not going to ride the the, uh, the Slinky Dog roller coaster. I might enjoy looking at it, but I probably won't ride it. So I hope the other one is at least appropriate for me. If it turns out to be the teacup type ride that I think it's going to be, it'll be fine. But otherwise, I'm not sure. You know, what, what, would, I, what would be in it for me? Oh, I'll go ride Toy Story Midway Mania again. That's always fun. Well, there you go. That's my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there... Please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gilles. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 